Attention patriots, tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Katie Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. First, let me apologize for the quality of my voice this week. I got an unknown viral infection that I successfully fought off and then a secondary case of Lyme disease. And the combination has left my throat and larynx not working quite up to par. But I'll power through it, and I trust that I can still make my factual points and my feelings about my subject matter sufficiently clear. August 17 is a special day. It's the day I was born, but 41 years to the day before I was born, in 1915, It was the day that a group of prominent Georgia citizens, in the face of a state government corrupted by Jewish money, had to enforce the law themselves and carry out the sentence of death handed down by the judge and jury in the case of Leo Frank. The B'nai B'rith official and Jewish sex pervert and rapist and murderer who strangled a white girl, 13-year-old Mary Fagan, to death just two years before. 
That verdict and sentence had been affirmed by every level of the entire court systems of the state of Georgia and the United States of America. But a corrupt governor, who also happened to be a law partner in the firm that defended Leo Frank, nullified the court's and jury's decision and commuted Frank's death sentence, sparking massive outrage. An outrage that we should be feeling a thousandfold today for far, far worse things are being done to us on a daily basis now. A National Alliance supporter, PC, wrote to us recently volunteering to distribute many thousands of National Alliance flyers if we would be so kind as to create one highlighting the murder of Mary Fagan at the hands of Leo Frank and the important role the case had in the founding of the ADL. We have done just that. I'll link to a PDF copy of the new flyer in the text version of this broadcast. Another good time for distributing this flyer would be around the anniversary of Mary Fagan's murder, April 26. When you have the flyer printed, you should also fold it, as shown in the illustration I'll put in the text version of this show, or have the print shop do it for you. In large quantities, the cost is very small at most such establishments. The Leo Frank case is important, and its messages and lessons should be hammered home to our people again and again. Why is it important? It's important because in this event, the very first large and visible flexing of the muscles of the Jewish power structure in this country, what did the Jews do? They stood up for a Jew and against our people, despite the fact that they themselves knew he was guilty of sex perversion and horrific abuse of a white child. It's important because the Jews, who now pose as friends of the black man and friends of non-whites generally, attempted to leverage the racialist feelings of whites on the jury and in law enforcement in order to frame two innocent black men for the crime, Newt Lee and Jim Conley. They're still pushing their frame of the long-dead Conley, even today, more than a century later. It's important because of the blatant use of Jewish media power to blast unquestionably fake news all over America and the world in order to change public opinion about the case. It's important because of the Jews' outrageous use of their money to corrupt witnesses and public officials, subverting the entire law enforcement and judicial system. 
you can go to natall.com slash flyers. That's N-A-T-A-L-L dot com slash flyers to download the new flyer. I have freely adapted my own work and the work of other researchers and National Vanguard contributors to create the flyer, the text of which I'll be presenting today and on our next broadcast. So, let us begin. Here is Leo Frank, Jewish Sex Killer. Most Americans would be amazed to know that the largest and most well-funded so-called anti-hate organization in this country, the Jewish Anti-Defamation League, ADL for short, was founded with the specific purpose of freeing and reversing the conviction of a Jewish rapist and child murderer. And Americans would be even more amazed to learn that the ADL is still trying to rehabilitate the reputation of this sick sex killer, who also just happened to be an official of the ADL's parent organization, the B'nai B'rith. That Jewish sex killer in question is Leo Max Frank. His victim was an innocent young white girl named Mary Fagan. Mary Fagan was just 13 years old. She was a sweatshop laborer for Atlanta, Georgia's National Pencil Company. On Saturday... April 26, 1913, little Mary was looking forward to the festivities of Confederate Memorial Day. She dressed gaily and planned to attend the parade. She had just come to collect her $1.20 pay from the National Pencil Company superintendent, Leo M. Frank, at his office on the second floor when she was attacked, struck down, sexually abused, and then strangled to death. Her body was dumped in the factory basement. Leo Frank, who was the head of Atlanta's B'nai B'rith, a Jewish fraternal order, was eventually convicted of the murder and sentenced to hang. After a concerted and lavishly financed campaign by the American Jewish community, Frank's death sentence was commuted to life in prison by an outgoing governor who also happened to be a partner in the law firm that defended Frank. But Frank was snatched from his prison cell on August 17, 1915 and hung by a group of leading citizens outraged by the commutation order. One result of Frank's arrest and trial was the founding of the still-powerful Anti-Defamation League. Today, 
Leo Frank's innocence and his status as a victim of anti-Semitism are almost taken for granted. But are these current attitudes based on the facts of the case, or are they based on a propaganda campaign that began more than 100 years ago? Let's look at the facts. Only Leo Frank had the opportunity to be alone with Mary Fagan. Factory sweeper Jim Conley, a black man that Frank partisans now blame for the murder, was sitting near the factory's front door, one floor below. Had Jim Conley been the killer, he would have had to attack Mary practically right at the entrance to the building where he sat almost all day, where people were constantly coming and going, and where several witnesses noticed Conley, with no assurance of even a moment of privacy. Besides Mary Fagan, there were only five people in the building at the time of the murder. Two workers on an upper floor, 14-year-old Montine Stover, Jim Conley, and Leo Frank. We know that four of them didn't do it. That leaves Leo Frank. Leo Frank had told Newt Lee, the pencil factory's night watchman, to come earlier than usual at 4 p.m. on the day of the murder. But Frank was extremely nervous when Lee arrived. The killing of Mary Fagan had occurred between three and four hours before, and her body was still in the building. And he insisted that Lee leave and come back in two hours. When Lee then suggested he could sleep for a couple of hours on the premises, and there was a cot in the basement near the place where Lee would ultimately find the body, Frank refused to let him. Frank insisted that Lee had to leave and, quote-unquote, have a good time instead. When Lee returned at six, Frank was even more nervous and agitated than two hours earlier, according to Lee. He was so nervous he could not operate the time clock properly, something he had done hundreds of times before. When Leo Frank came out of the building around six, he met not only Lee, but John Milton Gant, a former employee who was a friend of Mary Fagan. Lee says that when Frank saw Gant, he visibly jumped back and appeared very nervous when Gant asked to go into the building. After Frank returned home in the evening after the murder, he called Newt Lee on the telephone and asked him if everything was all right at the factory, something he had never done before. A few hours later, Lee would discover the mutilated body of Mary Fagan in the pencil factory basement. When police finally reached Frank after the body of Mary Fagan had been found, Frank emphatically denied knowing the murdered girl by name, 
Even though he had seen her probably hundreds of times, he had to pass by her workstation, where she had worked for a year, every time he inspected the workers' area on the second floor, and every time he went to the bathroom. And he had filled out her payslip personally on approximately 52 occasions, marking it with her initials M.P. Witnesses also testified that Frank had spoken to Mary Fagan on multiple occasions, even getting a little too close for comfort at times, putting his hand on her shoulder and calling her Mary. When police accompanied Frank to the factory on the morning after the murder, Frank was so nervous and shaking so badly he could not even perform simple tasks like unlocking a door. Early in the investigation, Leo Frank told police that he knew that J.M. Gant had been intimate with Mary Fagan, immediately making Gant a suspect. Gant was arrested and interrogated. But how could Frank have known such a thing about a girl he didn't even know by name? Also, early in the investigation, while both Leo Frank and Newt Lee were being held, and some suspicion was still directed at Lee, a bloody shirt was discovered in a barrel at Lee's home. Investigators became suspicious when it was proved that the blood marks on the shirt had been made by wiping it unworn in a pool of blood. No such pool existed at the crime scene. This was the first sign that money was being used to procure illegal acts and interfere in the case in such a way as to direct suspicion away from Leo M. Frank. This planting of false evidence is not the act of an innocent man. Leo Frank claimed that he was in the office continuously from noon to 12.35 on the day of the murder. But a witness friendly to Frank, 14-year-old Montine Stover, said Frank's office was totally empty from 12.05 to 12.10 while she waited for him there before giving up and leaving. This was approximately the same time as Mary Fagan's visit to Frank's office and the time she was murdered. On Sunday, April 27, 1913, Leo Frank told police that Mary Fagan came into his office at 12.03 p.m. The next day, Frank made a deposition to the police with his lawyers present, in which he said he was alone with Mary Fagan in his office between 12.05 and 12.10. Frank would later change his story again, stating on the stand that Mary Fagan came into his office a full five minutes later than that. Leo Frank contradicted his own testimony when he finally admitted on the stand that he had possibly 
quote-unquote unconsciously gone to the metal room bathroom between 12.05 and 12.10 p.m. on the day of the murder. The metal room, which Frank finally admitted at trial he might have unconsciously visited at the approximate time of the killing, and where no one else except Mary Fagan could be placed by investigators, was the room in which the prosecution said the murder occurred. It was also where investigators had found spots of blood and some blondish hair, like Mary's, twisted on a lathe handle, where there had definitely been no hair the day before. When R.P. Barrett left work on Friday evening at 6 p.m., he had left a piece of work in his machine that he intended to finish on Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. It was then he found the hair, with dried blood on it, on his lathe. How did it get there over the weekend, if the factory was closed for the holiday? Nearby, on the floor, adjacent to the metal room's bathroom door, was a five-inch-wide fan-shaped bloodstain. In his initial statement to authorities, Leo Frank stated that after Mary Fagan picked up her pay in his office, quote, she went out through the outer office and I heard her talking with another girl, close quote. This other girl never existed. We'll continue this important broadcast. Leo Frank, Jewish sex killer. Next time, right here on American Dissident Voices. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina's a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. You're home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character, where educating both hearts and minds brings about academic excellence. There is a school in American Fork where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. 
based on LDS principles and a love of country. Now in our 39th year, American Heritage School is accepting fall enrollment for kindergarten through high school. What would you do for your child? Give them an education that will prepare them for life. Located east of the Temple in American Fork, American Heritage School is a remarkable and affordable alternative. Visit us, find us online, or in the yellow pages. American Heritage School in American Fork. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people, but one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elite's dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by first-class mail are only $60 a year. Go to toqonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's toqonline.com. Subscribe now. Are you worried about America? Do you fear the power of the Obama brigades to take away your rights? The Obama presidency is the most radical left-wing administration in American history. Our constitutional liberties are in danger. What can you do? Join the Council of Conservative Citizens. For over 20 years, the CFCC has fought for the rights and ideals of the European American majority. The CFCC has won legal and political battles to protect your heritage and your liberties. The CFCC advocates strong state governments over the power of Washington, D.C. to rule your life. The CFCC believes in an American first foreign and domestic policy which opposes globalism and one world government. The CFCC advocates racial integrity as God's natural order. Visit our website today at www.cfcc.org and join fellow European Americans in the fight for our people.